Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So happy you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. I love when I get a kick-ass cookbook that has things that I can eat. I have a lot of food sensitivities. So I'm super excited. I have the wonderful Anna Vocino on the you know, Anna, how do you say your last name? I'm- it's Vocino, but I honestly either way. My name has been butchered so much, you can just say Anna who writes Eat Happy. <laughs> Listen, I'm a comic. Do you know how much my name has been butchered before I get on stage? Please welcome to the stage, Anna Vacano. <laughs> that sounded vaguely like you said vagina, but okay. Anna Vocino. I know, but I, you know, I, if you listen to the show, people know I can mispronounce Smith, right? I'm like the worst with names. So I'm really good about, okay, tell me a couple times and then I'll write it. Like if it's something that's hard for me, I'll write it out phonetically. And then sometimes I still mess up. All right, Anna, eat happy too. Eat Happy 2, T-O-O. It's a sequel. I, I wrote the first one and then I was like, I just keep writing recipes. NSNG, which is also, you know, a form of low carb or the way I do it is pretty keto. Um, although I have some non-keto recipes in the book. I keep writing recipes. And then I was like, well, I learned so much from writing the first book. This second one will be a breeze. And so the first one took me four years. The second one took me three years. So it's not a breeze. The way I do it, at least. I don't knock these out quickly. I, I, I recipe test everything multiple times. I want to make sure the instructions are clear. You know, I hire a bajillion proofreaders. And even then, somebody told me there's a typo uh, on one of the recipes. I was like, great, internet community, add it. They will let me know what we've missed. I want to talk a little bit about your comedy. When did you first know that you had this knack? Oh, well, I started doing improv in college in one of the oldest improv collegiate troops uh, at, at Emory University called Rathskeller. And trust me, there's nothing more your parents want to hear after g- getting a, a, a liberal arts degree is that you're going to become an improv actor. <laughs> like, like, it's like, not only am I going to be an actor, I'm going to be like the least profitable possible sector of acting, an improv actor. But we did my junior year at Emory, we started an improv theater in Atlanta and did seven shows, uh, I'm sorry, five shows a week for seven years. And then finally came out to LA with my husband who I met at the theater and our two-year-old daughter at the time and did improv out here with UCB. And then I decided, I was like, I'm going to try stand up. <laughs> and that went really, actually went really well. It turns out improv is a great uh, training ground for being on stage because we were, we were on stage so much. But so then my husband and I actually started two years ago because he does stand up. I do stand up. Obviously, a lot of our material is about being married to each other. And we ran jokes past each other. He's a professional comedy writer. He does it for a living. And um, we <laughs> we basically said, what if we got up there at the same time? I know that's weird, but what if we got up there and basically dissected marriage, made fun of marriage, put our marriage out there because now it's been 20 years. Our kid has grown. And uh, wouldn't that be fun to have the he said, she said perspective? And it's been going very well because we've been headlining comedy festivals. We've been doing shows in New York, Chicago, Boston, L.A. And so that's that's what we uh, that's what we do together as empty nesters. <laughs> See, that sounds so much fun. It's very fun. Oh my gosh. See, the problem is when we're, when my husband are empty nesters, he is like, he is the, the hobby king. He writes horror novels and he guitars. And yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I'll give out a, a kevindale.com. 
K-E-V-A-N-D-A-L-E.com. That's the name he uses for writing. Seriously, like freaking amazing stuff. But he's, and he meditates and he does yoga and he bike rides and he runs. So he's like Mr. Hobby guy. So we've already he's talked. Not, he it. sounds super well adjusted. And then he takes out all of his, his fears and anxieties on the horror novel plot line. <laughs> That's a very well adjusted thing to do. Going on stage and telling the intimate details of your marriage is not a well adjusted thing to do, but it's cheaper than therapy. Yes. And it sounds really fun. Well, my fear with, with the empty nest is that I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to do my shows and I don't really have any hobbies. Um, so I'll have to get some and he'll like be busy all the time. But you know, the improv thing I have to say, I think I miss my calling because we go to this family camp. It's for kids who have um, families who have quirky kids, whether it's ADHD, autism spectrum or other love things. Love it. Daughter love has, it. Like, yeah. My daughter has like, she's the alphabet. She has everything. So we went to summer and I did, they had an improv class and everyone's like, oh my God, Lisa, you're such a natural. So I'm like, what the hell? I'm 52 and I just discovered this talent. So maybe the empty nest years all get into improv. Yeah, you should do it. You should do it. Well, I think there's something too about being, being older, you, you kind of, uh, lose your self-consciousness and improv, you have to lose your self-consciousness because you have to be in the moment and really hear what the other person says. And I think that's why so many corporations now are, are hiring improv teachers and coaches to come in and work with staff because it teaches you amazing listening skills and it teaches you to pick on pick up on what's going on underneath. Like what's the subtext of what people are saying and and and, and creating something together and using the imagination. Oh, I really like that. See, I feel like I'm a good listener from doing the show. I get really engaged. I'm sure. You know, I'm a terrible meditator, yeah. but I feel like Same. when I'm doing the show, I'm just completely engrossed in what I'm talking about with the guests. So, okay. You know, there's an improv class I saw that's going to be in my community and I keep forgetting. Do it, girl. You got to go do it. Oh, I like to go to bed at 8.30. It goes till nine. Like I'm such a baby. <laughs> like, oh, listen, do you know how hard it is to get on stage when they're like, the show starts at 10. You guys are going to probably go up around 11. I'm like, all right, time for coffee. This old bra didn't want to stay up that late, but Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, next time you're in the Boston area, let me know because it's oh, for sure. miracle. This, this whole thing you're doing with your husband. Let's jump into your book, Eat Happy 2, T-O-O, 160 plus new gluten-free, grain-free, low-carb recipes for a joyful life. And the foreword is by Vinny Torter. I'm going to ruin his name too. And I know Vinny, Vinny Torterich. <laughs> Torterich. It's not easy to say. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I met Vinny five years ago. Uh, by the time this oh, year, wow. five years we were both headed up to be on Carol Alt's national show, A Healthy You, which I love. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and we just, you know, the guy took us up in the elevator and we just instantly just, boom, just started chatting and really hit it off. And I've had him on my shows a bunch of time. And and I know you do a fantastic show with him. So again, I'm like, before we jump into your book, <laughs> tell us about your show, which I'm hoping to come on. So there's my little like. You know, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I got, I got a, Vinny's a very tough guy to get in touch with. Um, but yes, we, uh, Vinny came to me about eight, seven and a half, eight years ago and said, hey, I wrote this book called Fitness Confidential, and nobody will publish it. They said, you have to go get a platform. And they said, go start a podcast. And I had already been producing a podcast that was totally different. It was a comedic podcast called Yoda and Me. And it was with one of the executive producers of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. My husband wrote it, and I was producing that. And it became like this cult hit. And that was back when like we had to update XML code in order to post a pod. Like there wasn't a WordPress interface. There was there wasn't like easy peasy producing happening. 
And so Yoda and me did really well. And so word got around. And then I knew Vinny through a friend of a friend. And they said, ask Anna. And so he asked me to do it. And I was like, that sounds like so much work. And at the time, I was gluten-free food blogging because I've always loved to write recipes. And when I was diagnosed with celiac in 2002, forever ago, I made it my mission to come up with all of the things that I love to eat, but make them gluten-free. And along, you know, pizza, um, red velvet cake, key lime pie, you know, I'm half Southern and I'm half Italian. So that's like all the carb heavy foods in one nationality, (laughs) culture, ethnic experience. So I, I basically put on a bunch of weight. I just kept like slowly, incrementally putting on weight as I got older. And then I had a TV show that I was on, on camera was canceled and I was very devastated. I went through, I, I didn't process it very well. And depression got very, very bad. And so Vinny came along kind of at the tail end of that time period where I said, oh, well, I'm not doing anything else. I'll talk to this guy. I don't even know who he is. Some Vinny. Come on. Who's Vinny? <laughs> and, um, and, and, he's, and I, and I actually, at first passed on it and he said, just read my book first before you make a decision. I did. I read his book and it was so good. Oh, it's awesome. It's so good it's that I was like, fine, I'll do it. So we started this podcast together. We did three episodes a week for years before finally I just did the, I, now I just do the Monday show, which is kind of our flagship show. But I mean, for years, for like five years and, um, and I produced all of it and it was all like, we were like, I guess we're growing this show because we have no choice. And there comes a certain point where you put so much effort into it. You're like, I can't stop now. And then things would kind of just jump and, and we, we'd find more people and it, it would grow more and more. And it became very obvious Number one, that we had great chemistry together. Number two, for people you know who don't even know each other, we did really have great chemistry. And number two, I needed to. I was learning from him that it was the sugar and the grains of me trying to re- replicate all these things as a gluten free that was making it was it was my blood sugars were going up. Um, I was becoming more and more insulin resistant. My thyroid was getting messed up. My hormones were messed up. I was having like crazy perimenopausal symptoms in my late thirties, and it shouldn't be that bad in your late thirties. And I figured out, okay, well, I'm going to do this NSNG, no sugars, no grains thing he's talking about, and redo all of my recipes with that framework in mind. And that became the start of the first cookbook. Oh, that's incredible. And you, I'm assuming you noticed a big difference in your health. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, and I always say it's an N equals one experiment because I, I'm not a scientist. I even say in the second book, go go Google you know, Dr. Peter Atia, Eric Westman, Google all these people because I don't know. I'm not, but I will tell you for me, it changed my brain chemistry. I do not suffer from debilitating depression anymore. I, it regulated my hormones, which by the way, your brain hormones are also, you know, that's part of it. Your brain health is part of it. It regulated the female hormones. It regulated the cortisol. It regulated, um, uh, uh, what's it called? The, the insulin, the ghrelin, the leptin, all that stuff that gets very complicated uh, that will cause you to put on weight. It regulated the thyroid. I am still on a little bit of nature thyroid, which is like the lowest dose. I take one grain of nature thyroid in the morning, but it's completely turned around. Oh, my triglycerides were starting to go up and now they've completely gone down. And I always, I don't even want to talk about weight loss because we all get into it for weight loss, but really then you get all these other benefits and you're like, Oh, I didn't even know as I was as sick as I was. But weight loss just happens. You just will lose some weight. And I did. So, you know, 
but I, I now and now we have Facebook group with like 30,000 people. My Facebook group for Eat Happy has seven or 8,000 people. And it's just time after time of like, I got off my type two diabetes medication. I got off my blood pressure medication. And I'm not saying everybody will have those results, but we're, we see so much of it. We're like, Hmm, at least start there. At least start with giving up sugars and grains and see what your body's capable of doing. Yeah, that's exactly the point. And I love in the book, you have a note on food quality and you talk about cooking oils and NSNG baking and breakfast, cocktails, dairy free. And I really like that you put in some desserts, but you have like a caveat, right? Like there's going to be yeah. some sugar because once in a while, um, but it's not something like I think people think, like my daughter, <laughs> she's like, What's for dessert? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> right. Have some strawberries, you know? <laughs> One berry. I always, I said this in the first book, but this is really true. When you give up sugars and grains, your palate changes and you become that a-hole at a party who takes a bite of a strawberry that's in season and you go, oh my God, you guys, this strawberry tastes like candy. <laughs> and everyone looks at you like you've lost your mind and they're like, no. You know what tastes like candy? Candy tastes like candy. <laughs> Oh my God, that apple's so sweet. I couldn't even eat another bite. Like you just become that person and that's okay. Yeah. Well, no, I've had grapes where I'm like, oh God, this is way too sweet. I can't even do grapes. Too sweet. Too sweet. Yeah. I do eat dark chocolate. I, I find very high, you know, 80%. 85 or 90% I stick to. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some sugar, but it's pretty low. It's pretty low. I mean, listen, I, I pretty regularly t either test blood ketones or, or urine ketones. Mm. And I, I I just like to see like how things affect me. And I'll have a square of that dark chocolate. I am still in ketosis. It does not kick me out. That's probably because what I'm eating the rest of the day is not high carb. Um, but it's it, people have a thing where I'm like, well, your, your body can get pretty good at it. And then you can have a square of dark chocolate. I, I would like for everybody to get away from this. Like, oh my God, I had two squares of dark chocolate. I'm so bad. Like I would love to get away from the good, bad mindset. That's why I have the dessert chapters in there that have some sugar because I have made a choice. I'm, I'm kind of an outlier in the low carb community because I don't care for the artificial sweeteners or the, the substitute sweeteners. Mm, okay. I don't think they taste very good. They, they upset my stomach. So this is, I'm coming purely from my perspective. I would rather figure out how to make a pumpkin pie with the least amount of sugar possible so you can make a pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. And by the way, all my Thanksgiving recipes are free up on my website because I always leave them up there because Thanksgiving is the most, most difficult holiday to do when you're trying to do a lower carb thing. So I leave them all up there. You don't eat, you don't even have to buy any of my books. Just go try those Thanksgiving recipes and then you'll be a believer. Well, give us your website, Anna. Oh, AnnaVicino.com or EatHappyCookbook.com. I say in the book, and I say repeatedly, and I say this all the time, I would rather see somebody eat a pumpkin pie made from real ingredients that with the least amount of sugar possible, enjoy their indulgence, and move on and go right back to it the next day. I, When you constantly eat the artificial sweeteners or the substitute sweeteners, you're not retraining your palate to give up the sugar. You still will have the urge for it. So it's important to me, but I will say 100% of people who give up sugar have it again. 100% of people, there's no human out there who's like, well, I just gave it up and I never had another <laughs> bite of sugar. Come on. We're, we're humans. We have celebrations. We have holidays. We have life. We have joy. We have sadness. Th these things are going to happen.
and you're going to eat another bite of sugar again. So I'm just, that's, that's why I offer up those recipes. Well, I'm going to make your pumpkin pie for sure. Because when I get one from the store, even if you get it at like a healthier, like, you know, they're using, you know, real ingredients, they're just way too sweet. And I'm like, and my daughter, this is delicious. And I'm like, blah. There's, there's a variety of applications that sugar is used for, and I have a theory that they're trying to cover up either crappy ingredients or crappy formulation, because if you add a lot of sugar, the sugar becomes very cloying and kind of covers up things. I have, I have noticed, especially in the gluten-free food space, where there's a lot of manufactured products, uh, or it, even more so if the, the gluten-free vegan space, because a lot of people aren't just allergic to gluten, they have allergies to you know soy, egg, dairy nuts, whatever. So, you know, you have to, they have to come up with these different formulas. And it's really hard because you're basically running out of ingredients <laughs> to use to make a cookie. And you taste that cookie and you're like, that's all sugar because you're covering up how crappy that, you know, there's pea protein and <laughs> some other weird thing. And it just doesn't, it's not, and flax meal, it's fine, but it's not, you know what I mean? <laughs> I want to steal you away from Vinny. <laughs> so great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get into your starters. I mean, you've got, you know, I I look jalapeno poppers. Immediately, you know, you think jalapeno poppers. I think of like, you know, fast food or those, you know, restaurants. Deep fried bar food. Right. But you do it a whole whole different way because you got the almond flour. Now, I'm one of those unfortunate, sad people who can't do nuts very often. Um, I'm not like allergic, but they make me really tired right. and, and I get a sore throat. And I love that you put in the book too, that you're not just using almond flour because you know that folks like me exist and it breaks my heart. But for people who can't have almonds, let's talk about these. Well, and let me, let me speak to that because I, I, the first book I wrote definitely relied on a lot of almond flour for some substitute, you know, breading type of applications and some filler, you know, filling the meatloaf or, or, or breading the chicken before you fry it up. Yes. And then I realized so many people reached out to me and it's usually kids, these, the kids these days with their nut allergies. No, but they do legit have more nut allergies because all of our immune systems apparently are completely compromised and mine included. And, uh, and so I invented what's called the, the, uh, ultimate low carb pizza crust. And then I had so many moms come to me and say, my kid has a nut allergy and that uses some almond flour in it. So I invented the cauliflower pizza crust. And now I've invented the pork rind pizza crust, which personally, I hate pork rinds. They really gross me out. But I got to say, I made that pork rind pizza crust. So I was like, whoa, that is a good pizza crust. But so I am constantly trying to think of ways to, to make different substitutes so that you can cook stuff. Uh, I I would say you could even just make the jalapeno poppers without any almond flour on it or just do a little bit of uh, flax and coconut coconut flour sprinkled over it or you could just bake it and, and have it just be like a cheesy jalapeno a cheesy stuffed jalapeno and it would still be yummy but yes I I kind of am obsessed with comfort food any and all kinds of comfort food I'm obsessed with I'm obsessed with finding like substitutes for Italian food, Asian food, um, all the things that we aren't able to have. The moment you say, that's it, I'm cutting out sugars and grains, or I can't have gluten, you can't go to pretty much any Asian restaurant because you're going to get sick. And so, or you just go and you do get sick and then you suffer through it. I'm trying to offer things, but bar bars, you know what I mean? Bar food is really hard to find stuff that's low carb. So I'm just trying to come up with some things that are fun and comforting, but they have to be good. I don't put in a 
any crappy no, recipes. No, not at There's all. No duds. Well, I actually made your because um, I love slow cooking. Slow cooker uh, ropa vieja flank. Oh my god, that is delicious. Yes. Ropa vieja is so good. I will find that a lot of um, it's funny because you know homemade corn tortillas are probably like one of you know God God's greatest creations. But when you're giving up carbs, you're not going to have those on a regular basis. But I do find that the the stewed meats from the Latin cultures are so perfect for low carb. So that's why, and I live in my neighborhood here in North Hollywood is 88% Hispanic on the last census. So I am just constantly going, let's get Peruvian, let's get Mexican, let's get El Salvadorian, let's, let's get Cuban. Like I have access to the best, and so I can, you know sit and talk with people and say, how do you make this? I want to make that, you know, and it's kind of actually fun to have uh, someone's abuela in the back of the restaurant. And I just, I will, I will corner your abuela and ask her how she makes the things. <laughs> you know, I laugh because I'm originally from California, but I've been on the East coast for 19 years. We went back to California this summer, my husband and I, my daughter actually went to that camp. I talked about by herself. That's one of the reasons we went to family camp two years in a row. Uh, I her to go, but we actually went a third time to camp. Nice. So we love it. But anyway, as a family, so I go to this restaurant and it has uh, camarones al ajillo and it's like the best thing I've ever had. So mm. I speak, a, a, I used to speak fluent Spanish, but it's been a long time, but I can speak enough. And so I basically was trying to, you know, I was telling the people who work there, you know, I, I, you know, I, I live in, on the East coast and the Mexican food is terrible. And please just, can you just give me some of the, and I said this in Spanish, some of the ingredients, I would really appreciate it. So right. a couple of the chefs would give me a couple here. And then finally, the manager is like, you have to stop asking for the recipe. <laughs> it is considered quite rude, but it gets exciting because when you have a dish that's so good, you want, you want to, I mean, I still go back and always get it at that place, but I'm always like, Ooh, how can I make this at home too? I, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, I should, I should make some shrimp with garlic and oil in the next one. Some of the ingredients I got out of them was carrots. Uh, red bell pepper. It was a lot of garlic. It was like an orange mm. sauce. It was butter. Oh, that's nice. Still have to play with it, but it was so incredibly good. So I am all about the Mexican. Um, I have. I'm like screwed. I've got soy, corn, wheat, dairy, eggs, nuts. I mean, like I'm basically living on meat and vegetables. Mm. You know, right? So, but I will. Yeah. It does. It's not going to kill me any of these things. So I will, like once a month, you know, go to Mexican food and actually have corn because corn is my most favorite thing on earth. But right, it was hard. I, I people ask me too, like, can you come up with the NSNG substitute for you know, insert impossible <laughs> thing to replicate, yeah. like a donut or a corn tortilla or a you know whatever? And I'm always like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, we could come up with like a grain-free wrap, but it's not going to be a corn tortilla and that's okay. Save that for when you really, you know, because there's just certain properties in corn that make that corn tortilla the most amazing thing. It is. Well, you also have, which I haven't made yet. It looks so good. A red and green chili chili. Yeah. That's more of a Texas or Southwestern style chili but it uses the red peppers instead of the tomatoes for the redness and i call it red and green chili because you're using red and green chilies but obviously the red takes over and it just becomes like a nice bright red flavorful you've got all kinds of things that are so good i also am a huge fan i love scallops you have a scallops over braised fennel and wilted spinach you've got uh, i also love shrimp you've got a 
coconut mango cauliflower rice. I love cauliflower rice. I have that in my cookbook too. Clean eating, dirty sex. Not about dirty sex. Cookbook, memoir, healthy lifestyle. I have to throw that in. People <laughs> don't get the humor. So I thought, I know you get it. <laughs> I get it. Salad with grilled shrimp. That looks really good. What are some of your favorite recipes in the book? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm flipping through it right now and I'm looking at, for instance, broccoli fritters. And, you know, it, they're, we're all especially moms trying to figure out ways to get vegetables into our children. And so what's not to love about some pan fried vegetable, you know what I mean? Like it's a fritter, croquette, fritter, crab cake, whatever, you know, cake, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I love, God, oh my God. Well, the fried green tomatoes are my, my history and my, I'm Southern. So, you know, I'm from Virginia. That's what we had. Um, I love, oh, the instant pot beef pho is really good. And that's uh, one of my best friends that I've known for 25 years. His mom is Vietnamese and she would make pho and she would make chaya and she would make um, uh, spring rolls. And I I have yet to figure out how to make an NSNG chaya. But until then, we can have the pho. I just had to take out the hoisin and take out the the bun, the rice noodles. Um, Jeannie's seafood stew is amazing. That's my friend Jean. Oh yeah. Recreating poke bowls was important to me because I kind of got into the poke bowl craze for a little while and I was able to figure out how to do it low carb because they have zucchini noodles and they have, or you could just do it on, on lettuce, uh, what's it called? Greens. And then I started to find out that their ingredients of their sauces were just really crappy. And I was like, you know what? Let's just make it at home. So the poke bowls to me was a super fun thing to do at home. I I like listen, my work week is so insanely busy and now that I work with NBC during their promos, I am busy every night from 4:30 until about 7:30 or 8. So that really kind of interrupts what could be a more lengthy time to make dinner. So weeknights are always the super fast stovetop things or something that I've been able to marinate earlier in the day that we throw on the grill. So there's a lot of those kind of recipes. And then there's what I call the Sunday recipes, like the red and green chili chili that take more time and are more labor intensive. And then, of course, there's a breakfast chapter for those of you who eat breakfast. I don't really, but I love I love all these recipes. They make me want to eat breakfast. I am hungry and I'm looking at the green curry sweet yeah. potato noodles with eggplant. That I, I do have a few vegetarian ones thrown in there from, from my, my plant powered awesome. people. That's one of them. But you know what's interesting is online I'll catch flack about that because it has a sweet potato in it. And I'm like, everyone, calm down. Calm down. No, it's it's a really nice dish. It's quite delicious. You can get the uh, Thai Kitchen brand red curry paste or green curry paste, and they actually don't add sugar into it. And you could mix that in with vegetables. You could mix it into a, a Instant Pot thing or a slow cooker thing, and it really adds a nice flavor. And you feel like you get you get the taste of Thai food without like the sugar bombs because Thai food restaurants, Thai food's amazing. It's such an amazing cuisine. Um, but at least in, here in the States, they, they load it up with sugar. Oh, it's way too sweet. Um, I probably made that clear that I don't like things that are too sweet. I'm like, let me complain some more. <laughs> you brought up the fried green tomatoes because I was looking at those. So when once in a while, when I can have nuts, because I do maybe once a month or so, I will make those with the almond flour because they look really yummy. And I've never had fried green tomatoes and I really want to. They're really good because you do you do have to get the unripened tomatoes and in the South, you know, everybody grows tomatoes in the summer. Well, and also too, if you're Italian, everybody grows tomatoes. So 
I'm just like born and bred to grow tomatoes. And there are always some tomatoes that you know just aren't going to turn. You know, they're just not going to ripen. So you take them and you you slice them into thick slices and you make these fried green tomatoes. And by the way, you could do it without the almond flour. You could do uh, just do the coconut flour and some and some flax meal. But f- and you'll still get that crunchy kind of outside. But what happens is that since they're unripened tomatoes, they have a, a, an acid to them, you know, because tomatoes are acidic, but they, but they, when they ripen, their flavor really mellows. But when they're green, they have a, a more acidic flavor. So you have the richness of the fried outside coating and then you bite into it and it's like this warm, acidic tomato. It's a really cool thing. And I'm surprised more people don't eat fried green tomatoes because they're delicious. Oh, yeah. They look amazing. You know, I was really excited about, or I am really excited about the cookie cutter cookies because yes. every holiday season, my daughter will say, well, let's make sugar cookies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. So these look really good. And again, they're almond flour, which is fabulous because almond flour is good. And one tablespoon coconut sugar. I'm looking at these going, and then just half a cup of coconut nectar or honey. That is really low. For it's, cookies, it's really low. So I'm it this year. <laughs> Listen, here's what you could do: taste, taste the batter as you're making it. If you feel like they're not sweet enough, you can always add more. Um, again, I am trying to make the recipe with literally the least amount of sweet to make it work. And how I discovered this was in the first book, the Paleo Pumpkin Pie. Um, I tried to make it pumpkin pie without any sugar, and it was interesting because it smelled amazing. How we all love that pumpkin spice smell all that whole blend of spices. And then you took a bite of it and it has the texture of pie and it has the scent of pie, but it had zero flavor. It didn't taste, it tastes like air. And that's when I realized, oh, the sugar is what marries all those flavors together so that we have the taste sensation that we do. And so I started, and I probably made that one seven times before I found out the exact ratio of spice to sweet. And so I kind of moved forward with that. And these cookie cutter cookies are you know, when I first got married, my mom gave me a, a Joy of Cooking or a Betty Crocker cookbook. I can't remember. And so I made these sugar cookies out of that. And they were so, they were normal. Actually, at the time when I got married, they felt normal. It felt normal to make those. And then, you know, you make up some buttercream frosting and you're done. And cut to 20 <laughs> years later, it's now been adapted and pared down to now it's no grains at all. It's very little sugar. And the frosting must be dairy free. I can't do butter and, uh, powdered sugar frosting anymore. So, well, they look amazing. It's evolved so much and they are, I mean, it's different when you, when you cook with, with real flour, you know, it's very pliable and forgiving, but these, there's not grains to hold it together. So when you do the cookie cutter step, you've got to be real careful about transferring them onto the baking sheet, but it does the trick. All right. Well, I'm really glad about that. Now we only have a few minutes left. I honestly would love to talk to you forever. Uh, drink happy. I love you. I love this. You write. I'm asked on a daily basis what sort of adult beverages we can enjoy now that we've cut out sugar. And while the trusty vodka soda with lime is great, it gets boring. So talk to us a little bit about these. We've got a low carb strawberry margarita. Okay. So <clears throat> this is another one of those interesting chapters where I debated putting it in, but legit every single day somebody says, I just gave up sugars and grains. What alcohol can I have? And you know, we can't, not that you can't have beer and wine, but if you have beer and wine, especially in the beginning, especially beer, it's going to mess with your progress. Like it's, you know, we we don't like look at a a guy with a big gut and go, man, that guy got a strawberry gut. You know, it's called a beer gut for a reason because that's what it does to you. So 
you know, and I, and everyone knows the, the vodka soda with lime is the, or tequila soda with lime or, you know, a straight shot of whiskey. That's, those are all good for low carb. Distilled alcohol is good for low carb. But <clears throat> then I like going to these places where they have the mixologists and they make all the things. And, and I actually like took a class on it several years ago about how to make a proper cocktail. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's make this a little more exciting. And if you have fruit in season and you have, you always need with a cocktail, you need the alcohol component, the sweet component, the bitter component, and the herbal component. Now a traditional cocktail, <clears throat> excuse me, my God, I have a frog. Um, the traditional cocktail uses a regular liquor and a sweet liqueur and some sort of sugar, like simple syrup agave, you know, things like that um, as the sweet and possibly also fruit. Now that's too much. You cannot have, you cannot drink liquid sugar. I'm sorry, but you can't and expect to make progress with this. <clears throat> so I'm trying to come up with different solutions using just a little bit of fruit for it. I do, I will say this, if you are metabolically challenged, meaning you have a lot of weight to lose, you have a really high A1C, you're really grappling with some health issues. And first of all, I would say when you first go low carb, try to give up alcohol altogether for the first month or two. Because the alcohol, your liver prioritizes digesting the alcohol above everything else. And what you need to be doing is cleaning out the system. You know what I'm saying? So that's my warrant. That's my caveat that I want to give. But who am I to get in a way of having a good time also to these drinks, they're like a mix. There's that joke on Portlandia where it takes the the bartender, the mixologist, like an hour to make each drink. I love Portlandia. Mixology drinks do take more time. So that will slow down your drinking just because it's going to take you more time to make the cocktail. But yeah, so I, I'm basically using the, uh, oh, I forgot about the, uh, the, there's herbal, the citrus. You have to have citrus in there. You have to have an acid in there. So acid, sweet, herbal, alcohol. And uh, so the sweet's using a little bit of fruit. I always put a little bit of herbal in there and you can kind of mix and match. And you'll now that you know that when you look at these recipes, you're going to like, okay, this looks good, but I don't care for gin. I'm going to make it with vodka or I'm going to look at this uh, watermelon mint martini, but I'm going to make it with uh, white rum instead because that sounds great. Yeah, they're all really good. I'm looking at them right now. It's, it's early. We're recording this early in the morning. And um, I'm looking at it going, I could do a vodka Bellini. Yeah. Well, I don't even drink. So I love that you offer that you can just omit the alcohol. Yes. You can totally omit the alcohol and just add more uh, soda water. And I, I, you know, I make my own soda water and I use the, the LaCroix and the whatever, you know, those kind of things, whatever you want to do. It's up to you. This is what I always say. You, you guys out there ma making food for your families, you're adults. You can choose if you don't want to have this or that. If you don't drink, make a make a mocktail if you want to. If you don't like this egg recipe, don't don't make it. Make something else. That's why I've tried to give a wide variety of stuff. Well, you have. I, I honestly, I have to get you from Vinny somehow. I know you're like I'm busy from <laughs> in the morning till seven p.m. and I'm like, we're well, there time difference. Like, well, there's time at nine p.m. <laughs> yes, and you're doing this thing with your husband. You're traveling, and then tell me, you mentioned about you're doing voiceover for NBC. What were you saying? Yeah, that's my day job. Is I'm a voice actor, oh, and cool. I've I've been very blessed to do everything. I've been doing it for twenty years, and um, I am the 
voice of NBC for The Tonight Show, for all their comedies, for uh, Late Night with Lily Singh, for all their reality shows. So right now, especially, they're about to launch the fall shows. So you'll you'll hear a lot of me if you turn on NBC. Ooh, no more. Okay. Whether you like it or not, they're going to play it. <laughs> well, I think you are absolutely fantastic. And I would Thank love you for you to come back. On. I mean, just so much fun. Eat Happy 2, T-O-O, 160 plus new gluten-free, grain-free, low-carb recipes for a joyful life. Anna Bocino. All right, Anna, yeah. tell us again all the ways to find you. Okay, I'm at Anna Vicino on all the socials. You can go to Amazon to find Eat Happy and Eat Happy Too. You can go to eathappycookbook.com if you just want to look at pictures and you don't feel like ordering anything. You can go to annavicino.com as well. for uh, I have a bunch of recipes up there for free if you want to try before you buy. Yeah, go to Instagram. Instagram is the place where I'm the most. I have the Eat Happy Facebook group. I'm there a lot too. Uh, my audience is the best audience on the planet. So if you ever have questions, they will all chime in because they're all a bunch of really fanatic cooks who cut out carbs a long time ago. So I, I feel like, you know, I have this like team of happies. They're great. Oh, that's so awesome. And your book is doing well. I mean, really, really well. I was looking at your Amazon numbers. I'm like, damn. Oh, good. I'm oh, always yeah. scared to look because I, I it's, it, everything will hurt my feelings. So I just don't look at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm such an idiot. I look like every day and I'm like, damn it. And then I'll, sometimes I'm like, oh, and it's like, oh, oh, it's too much of a roller coaster. I can't take it. I know. What am I doing? Anna? I think you are fabulous. I am so excited that you came on Talk Healthy today. I hope you come back and I'm going to be watching NBC. I'm excited for The Good Place to come back. So, Oh, yeah. I love that show. So fun. Thursdays on NBC. Watch The Good Place. There you go. I gave a little plug. Anna, you are awesome. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy today. Rate, review, subscribe, and just keep listening. Thank you so much.